0: Dave Holmes, what's going on? You know, um, it's we're recording this on President's Day. Oh,
1: that's right. I'm happy President's Day.
0: Thank you so much, and to you as well. Um, you know, a beloved American holiday.
1: And one I definitely remembered and, and knew yeah. that it was President's Day before you just mentioned it, for sure. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. It's just you don't get mail, and that's all that happens. Um, did you have a good Valentine's Day?
1: We had the best Valentine's Day. We, uh, Michael, baked a paleo chocolate cake that was the best thing I've ever tasted. Oh, boy. We watched Barb and Star, which was so fun. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's about it.
0: Okay. Great.
1: Uh, I, I, I sent him flowers, uh, which is huh. an odd thing to do, and it's just, just showing up at your house. But, you know. Why not?
0: Why not? What about you guys? Um, what did we do? We, um, we wanted sushi. So we sent out for sushi, but then it turns out, uh, also everyone wanted sushi. So, mm-hmm. um, and we didn't want to like go and sit outside at a restaurant cause that doesn't quite feel ethically sound just yet. Um, plus it was windy. So, um, so yeah, so we postmates Katsuya. And uh, and it was like, it'll be here in an hour. And then it was like, actually, it's going to be more than an hour. And then an hour passed after that. And it was like, you're, you're, this guy's coming to get it. And then it was like, actually, he's not. He's not. He's very busy, that guy. And then another guy uh, was going to do it. And then that took him. So anyway, so it took like hours and hours and hours for the sushi to arrive, which fine, fine. It can travel. It's OK. I'm not trying to get, you know to you don't want to get huffy in a time like this
1: but do you not get huffy because we, we we would be have spent that entire times on the app writing like rage yeah uh, no, uh, no, no, I, no no
0: no 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 I, I turn my anger inward as always but uh but it, so so got it and then ate it late and it's you know what i forget as a type one diabetic is that is like sushi is actually people think like candy is the worst thing for you it is not it is sushi because that is all car- carbohydrate sure. it will hit you later uh, if there are any type ones listening i will uh i will tell you i woke up in the middle of the night at 3:80 which is not great mm-hmm. um so whatever it's fine it's fine i'm i rectified the situation all is good um the sushi was delicious big crab hand rolls and the whole nine yards we also watched uh, barb and star um I, I honestly i think um the breakout sensation of 2021 is Jamie Dornan's calves just fantastic. Sure.
1: sure. He's doing Beautiful. great work all around.
0: He's doing great work all the way around. It was a fun movie. It was a really fun movie. Um highly recommend
1: it. Same. Highly recommend it. I also do want to recommend I should have mentioned this last week, um, that uh I I the show Keenan just will have just premiered. That's right. Oh my god. Out.
0: Matt McConkey's show. Keenan. definitely not the Matt Minkowski McConkey show
1: featuring Keenan Thompson. Sure. Yes. Um, a show that I was a, a staff writer on uh, will just premiere on NBC. So please do watch. I mean, yes. Kenan Thompson is, uh, of course, the most lovable. Pr- There's just no world in which I think people won't um, enjoy this show. But um, I bring it up because I was talking to my mom last night. We were recording this the day before it premieres, and um, reminded her to watch it. And she then posted this on Facebook um, with the trailer. She wrote, Matthew is a staff writer on the new comedy Keenan that airs tomorrow, Tuesday 16th on NBC at 8.30 p.m. Keenan was on Saturday Night Live, and a complete season of this new show was written and filmed. And NBC canned it and told them to rewrite and film it again. That's when Matthew is hired as a writer on this new version. It's produced by David Casp, Casey Wilson's husband, who was one of Matthew's best friends so I'm very happy she's getting the word out there, but first of all, Get they the didn't dish. film they didn't film an entire season and can it and tell them to rewrite it <laughs> it's they they did shoot one a pilot and then decided to retool it, which that happens regularly, but the idea that they would throw away I also love the way it's phrased as if. It was this, you know, shit storm. And then they, <laughs> they brought me in to overhaul the whole thing and bring it. Cause the I'm like the Absolute sort of like lowest status person that worked on the show. But I'm honored to have played a very, very small part in it. Um, oh, I
0: love it. I so, love it.
1: <laughs> but it's, it was created by David Casp and Jackie Clark, who are the funniest people on earth. Uh, to
0: geniuses. Yeah. To absolute uh, geniuses. It's on NBC. It'll uh, watch it, stream it, get the numbers up, get them up, tweet about everybody, it. Everybody, everybody, watch! Oh, I'm so excited! Congratulations, moms are uh, mom, moms. Be momming this week. Yes. I um, okay. So, um, so I wrote this thing for the LA Times about the, the Britney Spears documentary and about my like experiences in MTV and all that stuff, and and it went up on Friday night, and and it's always it, it'll be in print sometime this week, but. Um, but I wanted to get the link to my mom who's 88 and who has an iPhone and um, they should really make an iPhone, by the way, for people who are older than 70 that Absolutely. like doesn't make you do a fucking software update every two weeks because every time it happens, she's like, I broke my phone and uh, or or just, you know, oh, it's telling me I was on the phone for 40 percent less this week. What did I do wrong? And I like, No, that's good. You should not be getting screen time updates. You're not going to, you're never, anyway. Um, so I, so I, I sent her the link and I was like, oh, you know, somebody asked me to write my thoughts. I went a little ham. Here they are. And then I was like, she doesn't know what that means. So I was like, ask a grandkid what going ham means. Oh, so okay. then she's like, okay. So she then texts the youngest of them, my 16 year old niece, and is like, will you tell me what going ham means? She replies, simply no. So, so now, <laughs> And I guess it is kind of dirty. I mean, it's hard like a motherfucker, but whatever. It's right, like right. maybe um, it's not the dirtiest thing in the world. But now now the, the, that whole wing of my family is going to think I was texting profanity to my mother and involving involving children in it, which I really was not. Long story short, the uh, lesson learned. Wait for the fucking print version to come out. Put it in the mail. Put a stamp on it and send it that way. And then that way nobody gets hurt.
1: Yeah, because by the way, n- n- mom is mom is going to go ham when she sees that in print.
0: Oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Do you send yeah. her because you have two
1: great pieces in the print version of Esquire this month? Thank do you. you. Send Thank her you. Copies of that.
0: I do. I do. But I only flagged the one in this. I I, ma- I mailed her with the, my Valentine's card. I mailed her the the I guess what is this the I guess the April the March issue? Yeah, the March issue March. Um, with some great looking pictures of Tom Holland. Um. Yeah. But, uh, so I did a thing with Arsenio Hall, which I flagged. And but then I also did a thing about um, switching out um, uh, wine and cocktails for THC beverages. And I was like, yeah, she sees it. She sees it. But I'm not going to flag it.
1: Yeah. We don't need to flag that one. For we don't her. need
0: to flag that one. We don't need to flag that one. I'm sure somebody will wrap me out. Oh, you know what? Somebody reached out on Instagram. Oh, yeah. With with feelings of love. What did they say? Please share. It's Ooh, it's Eric. Oh, 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 it's Eric with a K. Just started listening, and I've been binging. And I cannot express how much I appreciate conversations with other gay men. We also sometimes have women. Ooh, it's Eric. Uh, so many insights about things I have felt alone about, but actually I'm not. Love this pod and you boys. Prayer or thank you hands. Heart, heart.
1: Eric, Aww.
0: we love you, too. We love you, we love you too.
1: Yeah, it, it, there is there's news coming. There's news there's coming. An announcement coming.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, fun changes. Yeah. Fun changes yeah. are afoot. We're not going Growth. anywhere. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're staying put, but we're growing.
1: That's right. We're, um,
0: so, we're, we're, we're going in exciting new directions.
1: Yeah. Hopefully we'll have something fun to share next week.
0: Mm-hmm. Maybe yes.
1: soon enough. Soon enough. Well, in the meantime, we've got a lot of fun stuff to share because we really do. It's the guest of guests. Shea Coulee, of course, needs no introduction, but fan favorite of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race season nine, winner of Drag Race All Stars season five, deservedly so. Coming to us from their home in snowy Chicago. Yep, Shea Coulee.
0: Well, folks, we're back with Shea Couleé.
2: Hello. Hi. How's it going, Dave? Never been better. I've literally never been better in my entire life. Oh, that's wonderful. That makes one of us. I am a freezing <laughs> up here in Chile, Chicago. Uh, yeah.
0: What's uh, what's our temperature?
2: Um, it, today it's actually warmer. It's three degrees. So, I'm mm. um, really enjoying that. We just had a like blistering. A um, couple of hours of snow that was coming down. It looked like we were inside of a snow globe that was being shook. It was really wild. Oh my god! Are you
1: getting out in the snow at all? Or are you? Are you just hiding?
2: Yeah, you know it's getting in the feet. You know, um, you know, it's like mm-hmm. it's like mailbox height. You know, with like all the shoveling right. and stuff. So, mm. um, at this point, um, I go out to like get groceries you know, provisions and then come back Uh and then we just um, hunker in and um, do all of our virtual work from here at home.
0: There's something beautiful and and like rustic about it, about like really having to stay. I'm sure it's no fun if you live there, live there. (laughs) I did one winter in Chicago and I was like, this is actually kind of fun to be this miserable yeah
2: yeah you know when i know that i can leave and come back it really unifies us you know people help each other with their shoveling you know you get to Mm -hmm. bond over how just like cold it is and i mean it's beautiful like when you look out at it it's just like gorgeous but when you really have to traverse in it you're like oh, okay gotta make sure that i have on like three pairs of socks two tights some sweatpants like all my scarves my mittens like you gotta be mm-hmm. prepared but one thing that mm-hmm. i love about having to wear face masks is like i'm probably gonna adopt that from like winters in the future because like those really help to keep your face warm and
1: it'll probably help you uh avoid you know people coming up to you in the grocery store if you don't want to be actually that doesn't
2: not work at all it doesn't work no i was actually just at the grocery store with my boyfriend and his mother and i was walking i wanted because we were we are obsessed with these like kettle dill pickle flavored chips and i was like let me see if they got these chips here they didn't but i was like okay let me go back and meet up with him and his mom and this girl just like stops me dead ass at the aisle and was like hi. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, <laughs> did we go to college together? I'm like going, like trying to like recognize the face. And she's just like, you're shaking aren't you? And I'm literally sitting there like, damn. It's like, got me. Uh. Um, she was really sweet. She's like, I just moved here from Ohio. I think her name was Brittany. So shout out to um, Brittany. Um, Hope you're doing well.
1: Yeah, I'm covering the screen just, just like seeing the the strip of your eyes, and I'm like, yeah, I think I would recognize. Yeah,
2: you. yeah. Awesome.
1: Um, so while you're bundled up inside, what are you, uh, what are you watching? What are you binging? What's keeping you company?
2: Um, just finished the uh, Hotel Cecil documentary on Netflix. Thoughts? It's just like what, just what? It, there's just so um, it's just such a weird twisted story and so many coincidences and synchronicities i I, yeah i don't know at the end i do believe that they did all of the proper investigating that they could do and came to what seems to be the most logical conclusion um but yeah just what a weird story
1: and what is your theory as to what happened to elisa (sighs) How she got into the the, the thing. okay right
2: because I think well I think she you know just climbed up there and went inside and like was just like dang because the the thing that they were running with was like that press conference where that officer said I believe the officers found it with the lid on top. Um, but then the um, the uh, uh, maintenance man was like, "No, he was. It was discovered with the lid off of it." So you know, I think for a while everyone was like, "Oh, it was something sinister," because like, how did that lid yeah, get caught? She couldn't yeah. have possibly. Um, but I think that's uh, unfortunately what happened to to Lisa. Okay. Oh, okay.
0: So I, everyone's talking about the show. I haven't seen it yet. It, it is the story <laughs> of the woman found in the water tank on top of the roof.
2: Yes, and like okay. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, okay. We're all giving all these spoilers, but oh, it's um, fine. Yeah, no, I remember that think story. Of how to get away with murder? Like the first season, where the where um, Elise Keating's husband's mistress is found in the water tank, and I was like, I wonder if that. Um, or, grim discovery with the um, Elisa Lam story inspired that that plot in that show.
0: Another another big story from that same era and I'm wait this is a documentary I'm waiting for. Mm-hmm. There was you know the bar the Eagle yeah. in New York. Mm-hmm. I mean every city has an eagle but the the, the Eagle in New York mm-hmm. known for their beer blast, uh-huh. right? So some guy, big Wall Street guy, uh-huh. goes to the Eagle beer blast on a Sunday. Um and and just beer blasts it up. Yeah. And who knows what else, but passes out. Like in a bathroom or somewhere in a place where he wasn't found. Mm-hmm. And th- this is like 95 ish. Um, and then, so the place closes up for the night. Everybody leaves. He's locked in and it's not open on Monday. So, oh my God. so he's stuck there from last call Sunday in the pre cell phone era no access to a telephone, no food except like olives and maraschino cherries, um, just stuck there. And he was like a big, powerful guy and he didn't let anyone know, you know, there was no way for anyone to know where he was. So there was like a full search. And then 5 p.m. Wow. Tuesday, somebody opens the Eagle and he's like, <laughs> like he's lo- <laughs> I'm sure he's lost his shirt, Oh my god! just starving and ashamed. That's, wow. that's the documentary I would like to watch.
2: I would like to watch that one, too. <laughs> it's that story alone i'm like imagining the whole thing it's, it's yeah it's like <laughs> cast away but real gay yeah
0: <laughs>
2: shorter
1: um so we have to ask you of course who your favorites are on the season of drag race right. u.s and
2: uk okay um uh, oof. u.s <sighs> that's really hard that's really hard um, such a good and they're cast so this year. they're so good you know they're so good got to got to give a shout out to my chicago sister denali unfortunately mm-hmm. that baby yes. has been safe you know i was i was watching last week and i was just like ooh i was like i can't even imagine what it must be like to not get critiqued for for that long that's got to be excruciating so sending some love out to her um loving Simone... And got Mick and uh, candy and Utica <laughs> <All> <laughs> right, yeah, I know guys. I'm basically just like naming the entire yeah. cast uh, but they're they're really phenomenal and the girls the UK cast um love taste and Bimity um Bimity I don't know just makes my heart fuzzy. Yeah. Bimini feels like the one to be. Yeah. There's just something so sweet and approachable. Like, I feel like when it comes to like a superstar, there's something I feel that you just kind of like want to be their friend. Like anybody that like I root for, I just feel like it are people that I, I'm just like, oh, I just want to be their friend so, so bad. And that's how I feel about Bimini. Um I'm already friends with Taste, so we don't already check that off oh, the <laughs> <sure>. list. <laughs> uh, but also loving the fashions that we've been seeing from Ahura and Lawrence is hilarious. So, of course. yeah, you know, just like really sat down to girls. I'm, I'm, and the fact that they were able to film these during a pandemic is really like kudos yeah, to amazing. them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and shout out to Tia Coffee for holding on this last week. I cried in her lip sync. I was like, she came
2: through. I felt so proud. I can't her. even believe I didn't even um, mention Tia Coffee because uh, literally, me and my therapist were both talking about how much we loved her for like three minutes during a session like last week. We were like, she's <laughs> really great. <laughs>
1: So you can, in in your therapy sessions, just do full, like, dish sessions on drag mm-hmm. race. Yeah, yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, but, you know, he's great at keeping us on track. He's like, okay, we're talking about drag race, but let's talk about life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like your therapist,
1: I should keep us on track and mm-hmm. talk about your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, part of the reason we, we, we wanted to have you on forever, but part of the reason we wanted to have you now is because, you know, the... Um, the Britney Spears documentary just came out and our, our own Dave Holmes is in it mm-hmm. of course yes. but um, I know that you uh, are uh, you know an early adopter of the free Britney movement and so I just wanted to get your thoughts and, and and I guess I guess the question is like what about her situation you know moves you the most or upsets you the most where are you at?
2: Um, I I here's the thing I've just I've been a fan of Britney Spears for so long I mean I want to say like since I was like eight years old you know um so there is this part where you grow up with this person and um you see all these things and I remember always being uncomfortable for her with the things that they said about her boobs and getting a boob job and this is when I'm you know like a kid like a preteen like even when you know I feel like people love to bully and talk and gossip the most. There's just always something about Britney where I felt like she wasn't getting um, treated fairly. And then even in 2007, which I remember like that, because I had gone off to college that year, and that was when, you know, all that stuff was going down. And, you know, with Chris Crocker leave Britney alone, I was like right there with him. I just remember being like... I will never forget her, you know, there's like a video of her being like locked out of her gate or something like that. And these paparazzi just like wouldn't leave her alone. And as an adult, I look back and think about like how it would feel for me to be 21, 22 being, being like a a young female who's being followed by like these middle-aged men who are always like just encroaching upon you and like just not, respecting your boundaries like and and for people to not even have compassion as to what she was going through like I I I don't understand how no one could have empathy like put yourself in her shoes for just like one second and think about like how intense and scary and traumatizing that has to be for somebody especially with Justin Timberlake and the whole Crimea River Um, video thing. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that either. Yes, Mm -hmm. I love the song, but I hated the video because Mm -hmm. I was just like, that's, I was like, that's shitty, you know? And, and to see it all um, articulated in the documentary, I just felt like, you know, for, for people who maybe didn't see it through a lens of compassion, I hope that it it opened up a lot of people's eyes to um, what she has had to navigate you know, for the better part of her entire life. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a lot. And I just, um, yeah, I just want the best for Brittany. <laughs> yeah. I, I just want the best for Brittany. And I, I, I if she can go out here and make these millions of dollars, she is completely capable of 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 making her own decisions. And I just want her to live and be happy, you know, and have the freedom to do what she wants to do. She's worked so hard. Her entire life, and I feel like she has earned the right to be able to live freely the way that so many of us of us do. Like we really take it for granted, you know. Yeah. Um, do you,
0: do you watch the Instagram videos?
2: Yes, I do. Okay,
0: and are, and are you looking for clues when you do or?
2: Um, I let other people do the uh, Nancy Drewing for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. I, I um, yeah, I listen. I'll, I'll I'll look and see, like, what other people are saying. Uh, but I can't spend too much time on Instagram dissecting uh, videos. I do have a Pomeranian feed. Uh-huh. Uh, so I, 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 I just kind of go in and, and, and look through the CliffsNotes. notes. Sure. Yeah, there's
1: other people in the Brittany Army who who are who will take that on.
2: Who have for you. laser focus and can pick up th- on things that I sure as hell cannot. So I'm just like it would be a waste of my time and brain cells to try and figure <laughs> it out because I was like these people already have done it.
0: Yeah, the detectives are on the case for sure. On it. Um, you know, it's it, that documentary, uh, the the segment where you really see the video of all the many videos of all the many paparazzi just crowding her. You know, I think most people just see the pictures and then they're like, oh, somebody took that picture. You don't know that it's dozens of people who won't leave you, like it's like a rugby
2: scrum and you you can't get out of it. Like, you know, she'll try and like pivot and move and go the other direction and they just kind of like block her. And Uh she asks so politely, and it just like me as a person, like it, I, I have to commend her for her patience. But also, you know, it's like they are, she's being baited too because they want her to explode because then that's you know an even better right. picture. So it's just like it was disgusting and vicious. And I and uh, there was that part in the documentary with the, with the. Um, paparazzi photog who you know got the really scandalous pictures the one whose car that she took the umbrella to after she shaved her head and you know they were talking about the matt lauer interview and her you know crying and saying that i really want them to leave me alone and the interviewer asking him like hey she said leave her alone and he's like oh well she meant for like today Yeah, she meant for 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 like this moment like that that that's what that meant you know and it's just so like did she say that did she say please leave me alone for just today like that that like abusive that abuser type behavior like Mm -hmm. that and i'm glad that we got to see that and i hope that he can watch that back and see how manipulative that was to try and be like oh no 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 she 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 only meant for this smart. how hypocritical yeah. yeah
1: him and the 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 guy the the us weekly like photography director whatever he is' oh, he's yeah. like we just wanted to live vicariously through them. it's like no, no we know what your job was right, and I'm guilty of 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 reading it you know mm-hmm. and i've been, I've talked about this so much on the podcast listeners are probably like, are you okay but I think it's like part of the reason we're all collectively becoming obsessed with this is A... Just the like accountability that, um, you know, the the responsibility we all share Mm -hmm. in in what's happened to her and also that like, you know, injustice is not a new thing, was not a new thing in the last five years, but it, you know, certainly was sort of front and center in our minds. And this feels Mm -hmm. like one specific tangible injustice that we can fix. Yeah. It, you know what I mean? It almost feels like a metaphor. If we can free Brittany, mm-hmm. maybe we can do a lot. Of yeah,
2: <laughs> exactly. Um,
0: uh, we are now living in a post-Timberlake Apology world. Um, uh, do you feel different?
2: Mm, I mean, no, no. Yeah, I don't. It was, kind it, of, okay. I, it was reading that and just hearing just reading that sentence that says, I would like to apologize to Brittany and Janet individually in the same sentence to me was just all like, well, that said all yeah. I, I needed to, to, to hear. I, yeah. I see your intent right there. It was just so incredibly disappointing. I'm just like, <laughs> but hopefully the, the response to that will Force him to look in even deeper, really reflect, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. hopefully come to a place to offer an apology that seems more sincere.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because I kept reading, he says, I'd like to, you know, offer an apology specifically to Britney Spears and Janet Jackson. And then he sort of just talks about himself himself. for a long time. And I was like, well, when it seemed like you were uh, setting us up for the apology. Yes. But then it doesn't really come. No, no. Other than
2: that sentence, but yeah. Gave us all blue balls with that apology. Mm -hmm. Big time.
0: Yeah. We're we're reevaluating our relationship with Justin Timberlake culturally. Mm -hmm. We may not have one going forward. God bless him. Yeah.
1: I'm okay with that. So, um, take us back to Little Cheikhoule if you could. Um, I know you were raised in a very religious household and came out to your family at 15. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm doing my best to not make you repeat stories. I know you've told them many times, <laughs> but um, I, you know, I know that you you've spoken about how grateful you are that you were raised in the house that you were and you didn't get kicked out when you came out at 15 like so many other mm-hmm. kids would have. Um, but what was your life like in your house after you came out for the remainder of those high school years when you're still, you know, under your parents' roof?
2: Yeah. Um, they definitely spent those um last two years um really trying to um just like cast doubt. Like, are you are you sure? Like, are you sure? Because, you know. You're young and you know, you have the rest of your life. So just like, you know, I mean, think about it. Think about it. and I'm yeah. just like, I was like, okay, let's see what you guys are doing. Um every time you ask, I'm I'm still gonna respond and be like, yeah, no, I'm I'm pretty sure that I'm I'm like yeah, pretty clear headed on this one. Um and I and all I kept just saying was like, you know, you just gotta wait until, you know, you're 18 and you're um in school and you can move out. And uh, yeah, that's what I did, and I think it probably is like my sophomore year in college. They're probably they just fully just like accepted, and we're like, there is no point in really trying to um, argue or change Jaron's perspective using the religion that he's grown up with his whole life. I was just like, yeah, you know, y'all. Yeah. I spent like my, my my middle school years praying about this and uh yeah here i am years later feeling exactly exactly the same so i'm just gonna lean into that yeah i'm an air sign you know i gotta go with the flow i'm not one who mm -hmm. likes to fight against things so i was just like yeah you're definitely gay
0: (laughs) i i always love that reaction from a parent and like are you sure because you know way way to point out that like telling parents is the most fun part and you want to do that right away because yeah. like before you're even sure you want to go and tell your parents because that's just, you know, that's yeah. going to be a fun experience and it's like, you know, it's like dessert, but you want yeah. to have it first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Like, there's no way in the fucking world. Anyone's going to like come out to their yeah. parents unless they know for sure.
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: 100%. Yeah.
1: And your mom was a minister and um, you talked about like, you know essentially tried to pray the gay way when you were a kid but what was your own like internal relationship to the church at the time
2: um i i loved the i loved the the ceremony of church i loved singing in the choir i loved performing and um the only thing that I hated about church were the other kids. Cause they were mm. fucking assholes, you know, like it's crazy because like, even all these adults, it was just like, I was just obviously gay and I was obviously, you know, a feminine. Um, but even all the adults, even when I go back now, just like the sweetest, the, I mean, the sweetest church people you could possibly imagine, but the kids were a, fucking nightmare i hated children's church i was like do do i i was like mom do i really have to be an adult to like go and like to like adult Mm -hmm. (laughs) i was like do i really have to do now with the kids like it was you know and so i would just always make friends with like the sunday school teacher and be like kind of like always by her so that there was always like a watchful eye to like look out for me but um Yeah, as far as, like, that and, like, my religion and, like, my faith, like, I, you know, was all in, you know. I loved God. Like, I I was just, like, all about it. And I started to feel conflicted when I became, like, older and was just, like, even though, like I said, the church that I grew up in, there wasn't, like, this, um, there was no kind of, like, homophobic culture there. Um, but I saw it in like other churches and I saw it in like other examples and I would see it from like, you know, these white televangelists that my mom would watch on TV. So I knew that that rhetoric was being preached out there. And especially like on these airwaves to like millions of people that are watching across the country, I was like, you know, what's that? And then I just started to like, you know, um, question the structure of, the church a lot more. And as I became an adult, and was out on my own, you know, um, just like came to the terms with like church not really being a, a, a place more so as like a feeling and like a, a state of mind. So um, that's how I evolved.
0: Being, as you say, obviously gay when you were younger in, in school and church, were there, did you have other, were there, did you have peers? Were there other obviously gay people who you could, like, scope out with your antenna.
2: Um, there was like one at church, but he was like so. It, it was like he was so much younger than me that I was just all like, oh, I don't know, like that kid's so young. Um, but then like later on, like um. You know, he became, like, a dancer who was, like, out on an tour. And we, like, bumped into each other, like, in the club here in Chicago. And he was just saw, like, you know, I really looked up to you when we were in church, you know? And oh, I was, like, yeah. that is so sweet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was he was one. And then, like, at school, like, when I got into high school, there was, like, I was in theater. So there's obviously other um, gay peers there. So, you know, yeah. that was fine. Okay. Um, but it was mostly those, like, really terrible, like end of elementary school through middle school years where like kids are just like raging with hormones and they are just like the worst monsters that you could possibly imagine is when I really was like get me out of this church yeah <laughs> terrible anybody who works with that age of children m- must just be
0: <laughs> made of titanium
2: yeah I can't take it no yeah Mm-mm even now as an adult, like those who are who try and bully me the most on the internet, I'm like, what sure. is wrong with you? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Can't be helped. Yeah, no, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm still afraid of uh, teenagers. And yeah. I, it's been a long time since I have been. <laughs> one.
2: Yeah,
1: they're the worst. Mm. Um, so pre-drag race, uh, I know you auditioned a few times before you uh, landed in uh, season nine. Mm-hmm. I know you were, Performing in Chicago and you're known in Chicago, but what did your day to day life look like before Drag Race?
2: Um, well, so I worked pretty much five to six days, five to six nights a week doing drag. Um, I hosted a weekly show and then would like do um, guest spots and other shows, um, and then during the day uh, I would. I worked as a host at this like bar and restaurant in my neighborhood uh, replay. And then um, days where I didn't work there, I worked at this place called Tulip, which was um, an adult toy store. So um, Mm. I just, you know, you had to do, you had to do all the hustles that you could to like pay the bills and buy the drag. Yeah. Of course. Do you remember your first look? Uh, My first look was my, um, because when I first started driving, I actually was, like, in between places. So I was crashing on my friend Val's uh, – I was crashing at, at my friend um, – oh, actually, it wasn't Val. It was um, my friend Sam's apartment. My friend Val was also crashing there. Yeah. <laughs> and it was Val's mom's New Year's Eve dress from 1989. Ooh. So um, – and that's the year that I was born. So, yeah, that was what I wore. And it was, like, this black – um crushed velvet mini dress like stretch velvet with like this like little sweetheart neckline and then this like black mesh with like these like sequined shoulder pads it was so hot it was so hot awesome so
1: those other queens that you were working with in in chicago i would imagine that for the majority of them drag race is the is the brass ring just because it has become this, this industry all of its own mm-hmm. and this phenomenon. But so how does it affect your, or does it affect your relationship with them when you are the one who, you know, is chosen and makes it?
2: Um, I feel like it was, I don't know. It was like a different experience because I felt like, you know, I had auditioned so many times and there were a lot of, uh, girls from Chicago who hadn't made it on the program before me. And I felt like by the time I made it on the show, like the community collectively was like, good for her. <laughs> About damn time. Yeah, <laughs> you know? And uh I think people were honestly like genuinely happy for me and they were happy to see me when I when I came back. Um and it was good. It was good. I like really love this uh, community here and I've always had like a really great relationship.
1: I know both your seasons um, kind of coincided with these traumatic events in your life. When season one was airing, you just lost your father and sister. And, um, and then the All-Star season aired sort of right when uh, George Floyd was murdered and the mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter movement is sort of... Um, going next level so while you're kind of like experiencing this immense pain but you're also becoming a huge star just those immense highs and lows at the same time how how, what tools do you use to cope and to stay sane throughout that
2: um compartmentalizing (laughs) that's the best tool um that I had to be able to manage all of these, like, extreme highs and lows, you know. Um, one thing my uh, therapist suggested was, like, you know, thinking about the wide scale where, you know, you feel all your, your um, um, crazy kind of, like, aggressions, passions versus, like, your depressions um, and things like that and kind of, like, find this window of tolerance of, in the middle of like what you can withstand and what you can process like at once to like maintain balance. And that's kind of like how, um, I do that, you know, I'll like open up a little compartment, add it to that window of tolerance, kind of process, parse things out, and then just like, keep on moving.
1: Sounds like you have a great therapist. Yeah. Yeah. He's really
2: cool. (laughs) He's cool.
1: I just rewatched that video of you at the, the BLM protest, um, that I, th- I think was in Chicago mm-hmm. and you end this amazing speech with, you know, I didn't come to play. I came to mm-hmm. dismantle white supremacy, which is like the mic drop of all mic drops. Um, <laughs> and so y- you've obviously used your platform to to speak out and you continue to, but how do you think kind of generally speaking, the rest of the drag community is doing in that department?
2: Yeah, well, one thing that I have, like, come to understand is that, like, not everybody is, like, built or cut out for advocacy. Um, And I feel like as these really... How do I explain this? I feel like as these personas that are really out in the public and are elevated and looked up to um, within the community, I feel like widely... um, there is this kind of, like, responsibility that is placed on us to, like, be leaders. Um, I understand that not everybody knows how to articulate themselves publicly, how to describe the way that they're feeling or have these conversations. Um, And to that, I would say my suggestion would be, and some girls have done this, you know, I've had some really great conversations with sisters. It's just like, you know, reach out if you're like unsure and not to be afraid to, um, um, make a mistake or say something that might, you know, uh, uh, you know, make you look like you're not as educated or up to date on the facts. Like I feel like a lot of people, um, don't get out there and advocate because they're just like afraid of saying something that will make them look stupid and that's okay. I, I Like I say things <laughs> and look back and be like, you stupid bitch all the time. It's just like part of being human. And I feel like a lot of us try to like really, you know, like maintain a certain type of social image and people wonder, like, does advocacy like work for my brand? But it's just I feel like now it's just more of a call to action for all of us to do what is what is right. And um, for anyone that's afforded a little bit of privilege to think first about reaching back before reaching forward because um, we're only as strong as the weakest members in our community. What
0: do you think is coming after this moment? In the cocoon that we're all in right now.
2: Um, you mean like quarantine? Yeah,
0: and just all. I mean, everything that's happened in the last year. It's such a. It's an incredible time of change, and yet we're all kind of at home to process it on our own. And just like culturally, what? Where are we going?
2: If I if I'm going, my first instinct. If I'm going to be brutally honest. Um, I feel like a lot of um, white people's advocacy is going to dwindle. I feel like a lot of the privilege are going to, you know, go back into just living their day-to-day lives because they're not being faced with um, um, being questioned and called out and held accountable. Um, And I feel like, for Black people, we're going to have to say to ourselves, "Okay, do we continue to hold their feet to the fire? You know, hold their feet to the coals, and hold them accountable to continue doing the work to create restorative justice, or do we continue on in our same path, working together as a community? Because um, I just like I've seen it, even in my short." Like, I've seen this cycle before. I think about things that my parents have told me. I think about things that my grandparents have told me. And, um, you know, I feel like we're always out here, like, waiting for this, like, reckoning. Um, but I feel like the reckoning first has to happen with um, the oppressors and the privilege really just stopping and taking a look to reflect on themselves and accept that. And it, if I were, I put myself, If I were in a white person's shoes with a certain level of privilege, like I would be, I would allow myself to get uncomfortable to a certain extent, but it's easy in this this society to turn it off or to mute these words on your timeline or whatever. And I don't know, do I really foresee um, white people taking the initiative to like help spread the wealth? I don't know. I really don't know. I'm gonna sit back and watch mm-hmm. for sure. But I my my I'm not getting my hopes up. That's all I'm saying. And it mm-hmm. seems grim. That's not something we've seen before. Exactly. It seems grim. And I think a lot of people look at me because I generally am an optimist, but I'm also a realist at the same time. So So
1: um we don't even have to talk about this and we could totally cut this out if you want to, but wanted to ask you about the mask. uh that you know you experienced on on twitter earlier in the in the pandemic Uh and i know you've addressed it on i think monet's show Uh um and and sort of put it in context that um you know you were seen not wearing a mask at a gathering but uh you know you were with essentially your your pod Mm -hmm. and um you also lost a cousin to COVID. So obviously mm-hmm. nobody needs to explain the dangers of this to you. Yeah. Um, but I just bring it up in case there's anything else you want to say about it to sort of put it to rest or anything you haven't been able to say yet.
2: Yeah. I just, I mean, I think that it's just like important, like you said, to just reiterate what you said about it being um, my pod. Um, the fact that, um, The guests had been tested, like everybody, like, and it was a surprise. So this was, like, all something that was, like, really set up by, like, my closest, like, friends. And at the time, too, um, the numbers in Chicago were at the lowest that they have been, like, period. Because, like, you know, there was, like, a spike. And even after that, the people that were in attendance at that gathering, still none of us have still to this day contracted COVID. So we didn't pass it on to anybody else. So I feel like the risks that um were being talked about that had people so upset, you know, like we all um assessed that, you know, and uh took precautions. And uh yeah, granted that there there weren't masks, which should have been an extra precaution. Um, But yeah, we were just our our closest group of of, of friends and and people. And it was something that was um, put together and celebrated to, you know, um, really just enjoy what was such a lovely, lovely time. Because as you said, you know, I lost a cousin to COVID. And um, most people don't know this, but um, my nephew, Caden, um, had also committed suicide during the season. Right. Um, and God, I'm sorry. He, it was a week before his 22nd birthday. So it was just kind of like, I, I feel like we all were in place and like, you know, everyone was really close to me that it's just like, you just really want to celebrate and see your loved ones because you never, you really never know. You know, I feel like this year reminded us that like, you know, time is something that we're not always guaranteed. And, uh, yeah, we celebrated, we had a great time. It sucks that, you know, um, people try and paint it out as like, but one thing that I learned in like the press and like media is just so like, at the end of the day, I know who I am. I know who we are as a group. And if people say things that don't align with that, then, you know, those are their perceptions, but all I can do is try and to continue to live my life like honestly and truthfully and when I make mistakes own up to them and um, you can decide to cancel me or not support me and that is, you know, well within your right within your decision and I'm not going to try and stop anybody from doing that. I'm not going to bake you. Um, yeah. You just gotta. You're
1: obviously, uh, as we know from your trips to the grocery store, you're in your day to day life, you're taking all the precautions. Oh, yeah.
2: Did you know she asked me to take my mask down when we took a picture together? I was all like, homegirl. Mm. <laughs> I yeah. said, I will not be canceled. That's all not how it masks. works. I said, no. I uh, so, so, like, you must have, not have heard what they were saying about me in the press. Oh, um, yeah, no. But, you know, I, I luckily and like, knock on wood, have like, you know, remained safe this entire year. Um, And I look forward to continually taking the necessary precautions to keep myself and the ones around me safe and COVID-free. Yeah, most of my friends are health workers, so they all got vaccinated now. So I'm just chilling here, just... Waiting Waiting for for whenever. I mean, look, I'm a drag queen. I don't know where that falls on the list. Like probably at the dead ass end. Sexual worker. I probably won't be getting vaccinated until this time next year.
1: No, you should be. You should be phase one, as
0: far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Thank you. Now you mentioned a boyfriend. Mm Mm-hmm. We'd like to know everything.
2: Yes, um, we actually just celebrated our um, four-year anniversary oh, um, back in January, like a month ago. Yeah, um, his name is Dan. We actually met... Um, it was after the, the the premiere viewing for season seven of Drag Race, they were doing some tour, and they were at this... Um, they were doing their press tour, and they were at this um, venue, The Vic uh, here in Chicago. And I was working a show across the street at Berlin nightclub. And, um, we were, I was walking to the dressing room. He was walking from the bar and we literally just like bumped into each other, um, at the club. And it was like, love at first sight. I kid you not. <laughs> like I was, I was just all like, who was that? You know? And he just like told me that he thought that I was really pretty. And then we took, like, a photo in the photo booth. And then, um, yeah, we, like, chatted and exchanged the numbers and then started hanging out and um, took it, like, really slow, developed, like, a friendship, hung out for um, probably, like, eight months before we even started. No, not eight. It was, like, five months, yeah, because this was, like, in January. And then we went to, like, milwaukee for pride because i was working um a pride fest there and um yeah it was just such a cute little trip and um we like made out in the club and we're like i think we like each other
1: i love it like each other enough to do you are you cohabitating
2: oh yeah he's in the the next room in the office um he's got his headphones in working on um his stuff and the dog is in there with him Uh so we co-parent too
0: love it we have seen the the pomeranian has made a cameo
2: oh yes (laughs) that's my little baby
1: so it's been four years do you guys talk
2: about the future um yeah like always I feel like we're always living in the now and um in the future and uh yeah we're hoping to like um buy a condo this year that's like kind of like like we're sick of paying rent. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. kind of like yeah. what we're we're trying to do um with 2021. Have you talked marriage? Um I'm not here's the thing, I'm it's a construct that I don't myself particularly um think is necessary um and we have we have talked about it um and i don't really like see myself like with anybody else but it's just like the it's it's this we're just very queer and there's just something so oddly heteronormative about it that i think mm-hmm. makes us both like
1: yeah it's tricky i'm i'm i got engaged over the pandemic and now all of my girlfriends are asking me when is the wedding when's the bachelorette when's the shower when's the engagement party and all of, it's like I'm I, everyone is just sort of like needs something to look forward to mm-hmm. which I, I absolutely understand and I certainly want to be the bell of the ball but I, I am a little bit torn it's like how many of these things do I what? want to participate in Should I want to participate in? Is it wrong if I do want to participate in them? Yeah. So that's been sort of top of mind lately.
2: Yeah. And I think honestly for us, it's like, you know, it's for us to decide and define for um, ourselves. But, you know, I just think of, God, we probably would have to do it for our moms, to be honest. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Yes. That's what I always come back to.
2: Yeah. Um yeah. I don't know. We'll figure out the house thing first and maybe getting mm-hmm. a second palm, you know. Okay. Well we're we're doing everything backwards, you know, the way that traditionally they tell you you should. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get through this winter first. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Let's get a vaccine and then we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah.
1: Shay, such an honor to have Truly. you. Thank you so so much. And I I can't wait to get to see you live one of these days.
2: Yeah. You know, um, we'll check in next year around this time, see what's tea <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hopefully we'll all be out of our homes by then.
2: You know, um, hopefully. I'm just like, I just think about our industry and the fact that it's really centered around how many people we can get into a room. So, uh, hmm. you know, that's gonna, it's gonna, I'm like, what will even capacities for venues be? Like, yeah. and I and I think about the industry and I'm like, and those venues are going to be trying to recoup losses from not having people in there. So I'm just like, will the prices be, be right. different? Or will they be higher? Like, what will artists have to do? It will be really interesting, you know? Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Stay
1: tuned. In the meantime, Sheikh thank you so, You're so much. Couletist. Thank you.
2: Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. I had such a blast. Yes.